Hello there, and welcome to the Joyfully Black Podcast, where we have candid conversations with Black women on nourishing their mental well-being while balancing career, family life, and community care. I'm your host, Joy Dixon, a public health professional turned woman in tech and lover of seeing people thrive in their zone of genius. Today's guest is a self-described weekend warrior who has been transforming spaces since childhood. Nikki Klug is a highly sought-after, award-winning interior designer and principal designer and founder of Nikki Klug Design Group. Nikki is an NCIDQ qualified, a true color expert, and a member of the American Society of Interior Designers and the International Interior Design Association. Now, Nikki's philosophy is interior design extends far beyond making spaces beautiful, comfortable, or even simply functional. Sacred spaces have the ability to change our lives, to shift the way we feel, and the way we function at a deep level. Her extreme attention to detail, ability to go deeper than surface level with her clients, and upbeat personality are just a few reasons why her clients consistently recommend her to their networks. And it's no wonder since Nikki is always a resounding yes to the possibility of transformation. And we are so glad that she said yes to joining us today. Welcome to Joyfully Black, Nikki. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. So, Nikki, I always like to a level set for my listeners for a moment. Um, would you tell us about your journey to becoming an award-winning interior designer, founder of Nikki Clue Design Group? Was an eye for aesthetics always just part of your life plan? Man, oh, was it? It was way back, like literally when I was a little girl, mm-hmm. changing my room around, trying to maximize the space in my 10 by 10 square foot, uh, 100 square foot room. And it was a matter of space planning, but also colors, like what colors would make it feel larger? What would make it feel homey? And, you know, all of this came as a result of my mom's talent and my grandmother's homemaking skills. My mom was a fashion designer in college. Uh, That's what her major was. And so Weekend Warrior was definitely something we did together uh, as she was a, you know, corporate America manager in the oil and gas industry, which was, you know, a great job that she could find after graduating from college and taking care of her baby girl. So all of her creative energy and juices all went into the weekend. And that's how my passion was born. And so, yes. All the way back until I can remember, I have been manipulating space and playing with color and uh, trying to make the best of whatever it is that um, I'm looking at and living in because I know the impact that it has on you and um, experienced that all the way through my childhood until an adult. And I decided to go back to school when my youngest son was born. I have four sons. And that's when I was like, you know what? I still love this thing. I still love, you know, changing spaces, transforming them, making something that's maybe less desirable and something that's beautiful and welcoming. And as I was growing my own family, recognizing that as we move from space to space, I was always able to make it feel like home for us. And that's when I decided to make it official and actually go back to school and get my degree in interior design. 
Oh, wow, that's amazing. And, um, and with the moving, um, that's because your husband is in the military, right? Correct, correct. Yes, he served in the U.S. Navy for 32 years. He retired a couple of years ago. And so, as you can imagine, we literally live from coast to coast and many places in between. Um, and yes, that was always a priority for me is to set up house, you know, get the boys again with the four sons, getting them settled first so that uh, they could acclimate to the new environment and doing their rooms and the, the common spaces, the living room and breakfast room. Most times we didn't have a dining room. That was something that was just really, really important to um, make a priority as we move from home to home. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Every often when I speak to folks who are uh, military spouses, I am just in awe of their ability to, to pack up, unpack so, so quickly. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I have one friend. She can be unpacked in two days flat. Now, I cannot do that. But there are those of us that have got it down to a T. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned um, about, you know, impacting space. Mm -hmm. And um, there is a quote that Winston Churchill once said that first we design our spaces and then our spaces design us. So favorite quote. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. It is. How can our room's textures, um, colors, and design affect our moods? And do you have any specific examples that really stick out in your mind in doing this work? Yeah. So I implement uh, a thing called designing to your senses in my designs. It was something that I discovered on a vacation one time in Paris, France. It happened to be my husband's and my anniversary. We... um, rode a train from Germany where he was deployed. So he was deployed during our anniversary. It's like, okay, let's make the best of the situation. We caught a train. I I took the boys over with me. First of all, we did space A. If anybody knows about space A, you are riding for free, but you're sacrificing your time and your comfort. But at the time with four sons and a limited budget, that was how we were getting to Germany. So we did space aid to Germany, uh, then took an ice train to Paris and celebrate our anniversary there with our sons. And because of my husband's schedule, I had to go ahead of him. So the four boys and I went ahead. We were there maybe a day and a half before he could actually get off work and be there. And so, you know, we just went and just, you know, had a great time on the train and settling into the hotel. The boys were watching TV and I was like, I'm just going to go take a bubble bath and relax. This was a little Mm -hmm. bit of of movement, a little hectic, trying to navigate these Paris streets, not speaking the language. And um, I was there in this bubble bath and the music was playing. I had on like classical like Beethoven or something like um and the walls were all marble the aromatherapy was going in the bathtub and this it was just like this euphoric moment for me mm-hmm. and I'm like wow like I just you know got off the train and navigated to two different hotels to get to the right hotel <laughs> um you know the subway system learning that 
And I was frantic. And then like, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm just like totally zinned out. What is it about this moment, about this space? Yes, I'm celebrating my anniversary. Yes, my family is here and we're all together and we're, you know, had this amazing opportunity to visit another country. But like there's there's other things going on. And I, I realized I put the pieces together that all of my senses were being stimulated and in a good way. And and it was just all just kind of like gelling. And in that moment, I was like, huh, there's sensory inputs that are happening here. How can I use that in my designs? It coincided with a period of time where I was like literally digging into what makes me different as a designer. What do I do differently? Um, how would I like to serve my clients? And this is something that I was doing innately, but never just put it all together. And that was the birth of designing to your senses. Oh, nice. So it was like your your own personal experience that led you to naming what you just just came naturally to you. Right. So oftentimes people would say, I can tell when you've designed a space, but not really by the photo, but by being in it. And so I couldn't like articulate what is it that I'm doing that other designers aren't doing? Like, what is it that's happening that's not translating to the photos? Because I was looking for like, you love big scale, you like lots of color. Like I was looking for the visual elements to describe me and set me apart, but it was just how it would make a space feel when you're experiencing it in person all together with textures and colors and smells, um, with sound, with running water. Um, for one client, we had a waterfall in her living room on the wall um, oh, wow. that had uh, light therapy tied into the water. So there's different elements of things that I had been playing with and, and experimenting with the whole time that, um, like you said, just gelled in that moment, designing to your senses. Mm. And, and speaking of a full sensory experience, I mean, you're known for creating these sacred spaces. So what would you say are key elements to making a space feel both inviting and tranquil? So here's the trick question, because it really depends on the person. We all experience the world on different levels. Um, take, for example, someone that has lost their sight, their sense of hearing is going to get more sensitive. Um, someone that, you know, is very tactile, like they're a tactile learner and they have to write it down or they have to do it. They put it together a puzzle and then they can always remember that thing that they learned. Um, someone like that is going to love and appreciate texture. Now, it could be texture that is um, more rough or texture that is more soft or furry or fuzzy. So there's, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 different combinations of your sensory and how you learn, how you experience love, but also how you relate to the world. So some of the examples I gave were tactile, um, olfactory, the way to bring aromatherapy into a space um, using different herbs and um, extracts is really amazing. You know, they have healing properties, but they also have just some normal connotations like the smell of lavender in general is going to make anyone feel soothing and, and calm, whereas citrus is more vibrant. And depending on what space you're in, we would manipulate and play with that a different way. So in an office space, we'd want a citrus smell and not a lavender smell, right? And in a bedroom, we'd want the vice versa. So um, it really just depends on what you're trying to accomplish and how you experience the world. 
that that makes sense because you wouldn't want people going to sleep on the job. (laughs) Or maybe if it's a super stressful job, you might want to mix a little lavender and citrus. I don't know. But um, we definitely will um, take the time to get to know our clients and what their needs are and, and then prescribe something that's specifically for them. Oh, that's awesome. Because I remember I made these lavender satchels for a bridesmaid sort of favor. And later on, the bride's mother said, oh, those satchels you made are just so relaxing. But I always go to sleep. And I said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. What are some common misconceptions about designing um, these inviting sacred spaces that folks often get wrong? Yeah. The fact that people think it's all about pillows and curtains or, you know, the things that you may notice right offhand, the things that you associate with making things pretty. Um, it's really about making things functional and making life um you know, joyful, uh, getting rid of things that are tedious or, you know, stutter steps in your traffic flow um, in the way that you interact with your family. I love using circle tables, round tables, because that sets up an environment that is more conducive to conversation. You know, no one's in the way of someone else talking. Um, You're more on equal footing, equal ground. So um, it promotes and enhances uh, collaborative efforts and uh, a united family. So I love of different elements that you can bring into design that are scientific based, that it's not just about making things pretty. Mm. No, that, that completely makes sense because and sometimes people don't always get the point of interior design until they experience it themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the past, what, three years we've been living through, more people have been really paying attention to it since we spent more time at home. Have you seen that as well? Absolutely. We have been so busy over the last three years and to the point where we doubled our staff and, you know, really had to improve our systems to get more efficient. We were already working long distance because of a project that we did in Washington, D.C. It was a 13,000 square foot project, five million dollar budget. It was an amazing project that I got to design from my home base at the time of San Diego, California. So we were designing long distance for the past seven, eight years now. Um, So that was great, but the volume and the scope that people wanted and they wanted it yesterday Mm -hmm. and, you know, supply chain was making it twice as long as normal. So it was a lot to deal with, but I'm grateful for it because it made us such a tighter team and really trimmed the fat on some of the things that we were doing and made us get really serious about our time and our delivery process. Oh, that's great. And can you talk a little bit about the whole money space? And and maybe this is top of mind for me because I I also work remotely. Mm -hmm. And so, and like so many people do is, you know, the pandemic shifted some, some things in our lives. So what, what goes into creating a money space and making sure that it has the energy that you need to have in order to be your most productive or relaxed self in order to think creatively? Yes, yes, yes. So many career paths and fields have, you know, various needs, whether it's creativity or maybe it's just, you know, being really um, adamant about number crunching. And so you need um, you need concentration and focus more so than letting your mind wander to all the possibilities. We look at that. We look at your career. We look at the, the type of work that you do. And then we tailor something that's going to support those things. And um, that's one of the 
areas that we customize, but there's always a couple of like tried and true, um, you know, elements and tactics of our design that it's going to be the same for everyone. So that would include sitting facing the door so that you can see what's going on around you. Uh, we call that the command position or the power position. Uh, people that speak from the stage, they often have that awareness. Um, and if you look at how an auditorium is set up, the speaker is generally always facing the door. So that um, in and of itself is the one thing that I always recommend anyone to do is analyze where you're sitting in that space and put yourself in the power uh, position. Oh, good. And so, of course, you're in this business of creating these restorative sacred spaces and accessible, luxurious surroundings in the home. As I'm hearing you talk and seeing a lot of your, your work, your profession just is so integral to how people feel in their home and how they feel cared for. Yeah. When did you start to prioritize self-care in your in your own life? Because I often find it's almost like, you know, the cobbler, they're the ones without shoes because they're so busy making it for everyone else. So when did you start to prioritize self-care and how did you start on your own self-care journey? So lucky me, it was in the process of setting up our homes that I started making decision. This is the decision that this is exactly what I want to do, um, whether I ever make any money or not. And so initially it was really just about um, recognizing that as I set up spaces for myself in the different places we moved to, first it was the boys, next it was the common spaces, and then it was me and my husband, like our space together. I wanted to do that for other moms. I felt like this is such a relief and such a stress reliever to have a place that I can call my own, separate from what the kids have got going on, just to be a woman and a wife and my own self in a space um, that I thought it was valuable and worth sharing with other people. So um, so yeah, that was always top of the list for me. Um, now, I will admit that I could stray from it as I got busier and as I was managing more. Uh, taking on more as the boys, as, as our sons grew into men, and as my business was expanding and, and growing, it did become a point of, you know, no, I've got to make time. I've got to carve out space. I've got to make this a priority so that I can continue to serve in a bigger way. Um, and when I could, and when I didn't make it a priority, I could definitely tell. I would be frustrated. I'd be overwhelmed. I wouldn't be able to think as clearly and as methodically as when I was taking care of and making sure that my needs were taken care of. So we've always kept the calendar time block, you know, for yeah. self care, and that was probably into like the fourth year of me getting really serious about my business and experiences mm -hmm. of growth. Um, I was always so adamant that I'm a free spirit. I don't need a calendar. Uh, I don't live by appointments. Of course, mm -hmm. I had to live by appointments for my kids, but why I thought I could not do that in my business um, because I'm a creative, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought it and thought it, but eventually a business coach, you know, got to me, you know, got it through my head that, look, you need to block off things. You need to block off anything that's important. And so cooking dinner, doing laundry, going to church, working out and working on your business, all these things need to be in your calendar, doing homework with the boys. Like all of this needs to have its own little space. And so as I started doing that, I realized, oh, this actually 
frees my brain up to be creative during those creative blocks. Now it took some practice to just like turn creativity on. And then even now, sometimes I have to like prep, like I it's in the background of the creative block is coming. Um, what am I taking in around the, you know, around me in, in, in the world? What am I seeing that I'm going to harness into this creative time block? But Otherwise, I really was able to like be in the moment in those blocks, knowing that everything else is planned out. Everything else has a space. Let me turn my attention and focus on this football game for the boy or date night with my husband um, or even Sunday. Like when I found myself making laundry lists of groceries in church. (laughs) maybe I need to do something to, you know, get my life together. So yes, the calendaring, you know, exercise and time blocking really, really saved me um, and helped me again, grow my business and keep a balance of personal self-care. Oh, that's great. I love how you mentioned, you know, finding ways to schedule, to schedule things. And, you know, despite, you know, you know, most of you think, oh, creatives are free spirits. Why, why bother with those things? It's constraint. And you're saying that, you know, that actually helps you have a more sustainable self-care practice because you were able to make sure that there was time for it. Absolutely. And, you know, at Joyfully Black, so many of my listeners like you, you know, wear so many different hats, particularly, you know, if they have any family members who may have their own mental uh, health or mental wellness challenges. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know in your experience, you were a very avid advocate for your own child for your own adult child um could you speak a little bit to how um you were able to to navigate caring for your well-being while also being an advocate for your for your son yes yes when I first came to the realization that this was going on um it was because we were pushed to it 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 did it wasn't a gradual thing because it happened when he was away at college Mm -hmm. and we'd see him we think oh he's just partying too much let's you know talk to him and, and help him settle down and settle into college so it was this big blow up and it just really took over our life to the point where I felt so overwhelmed that I just actually made that the priority and it was like mm-hmm. you know what um let me wind down over here so I stopped taking clients and I finished my client work and make sure everybody was happy and mm-hmm. then as new leads were coming in I'd say I was booked until and so I just wouldn't take on any clients as I you know learned the system and learn how to advocate for my son inside of all of the different red tape that is going on with um, with insurance, with um, the facilities, with the legal system. There were so many different avenues that I had to um, get familiar with that I had never come in contact with before. It really was like a part-time to a full-time job just advocating for him. And it was a really challenging situation. It really, really was. I took off likely about 10 to 11 months before I was ready to go back. We got him stable. We got him in treatment. And then it was like, okay. But even through that whole time, like there were periods where I would just cry for days. Like I would just be balled up in my bed. Like, where did we go wrong? You know, I wanted to blame myself of going back and analyzing all the different things. Like what could we have done better? Why didn't we catch this? Like there were so many questions and, you know, as a mother, that's just, 
I, I don't know any way around that. I, I think that all mothers would um, take it upon themselves to find blame and fault um, with something that they did or did not do. And I definitely went through that period. Um, a dear, dear friend, Mona Lisa, was able to coach me through that because she had been through it herself. And so she had me journaling. I sought a therapist, a Christian therapist. Um, I was ready to reach out to every and any resource I'd ever heard to not only get support from my son, but also support for me. And through that, I was able to come to the understanding that there was nothing I did wrong. There was nothing I could have done differently. Um, you know, the, the question that faintly remains is could I have caught it earlier? But even then, it's like you have to face this is what we have. Now what? And so um, with that, I had to learn to choose joy. And so that's something that I perpetually promote wherever the circumstances, whether it's mental illness or death or lost job or whatever, um, we still get to choose what, um, what makes us feel peace on the inside, even in the midst of the circumstances. So it's not easy. Like it's, it's easier said than done, but we do still get to choose joy and choose life. So um, that was an exercise in of, of itself was to um, find where I was joyful on the inside, even though one of my children was really, really hurting. And um, and I did that through various ways. You know, therapy definitely was one of it. Um, finding other moms and dads that had been through the similar or same circumstance, finding community, um, prayer, and then also doing what I love. And that's design. So um, I did end up going back to work. And I was so thankful and so surprised even that like when I said, yes, I'm taking clients again, the clients were there. So it was like, okay, thank you, God. Like I, I was willingly, you know, sacrificing my whole career. Like if I never get another job, that's fine. I just got to take care of my son in this moment. But um, when it came time and I was ready to focus and refocus on what I had built, it was still there waiting for me. So I was really thankful for that and able to share that with other moms that like the world's still going to be waiting, like do what you got to do, take care of your family, take care of yourself. I have a friend whose mom just died and they were so, so close. Like many of us are with our mothers um, or hope to be, and, and they really were close and it's hit her hard. And I was like, girl, you coach women, you got to take your own advice. Like you have to be the example. You know that this is the time that your managers are going to understand. Yeah, I need some time away. And they're going to be there when you get back. That work's going to be there when you get back. So I can say that knowing from my own experience, and she'll be able to say it one day too, that um, we have to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. hundred um, percent. Take care of ourselves and our family in the process. You know, that that's so true. And and what you're speaking to is sometimes you don't always see the forest for the trees when you're in the midst of it, um, particularly when caregiving or experiencing in the throes of guilt. And, um, and of course, being a caregiver, whether it's because of you know, mental illness or some other or some other situation, it can be a very challenging, sometimes rewarding and empowering situation because you said like you had to learn a system that you had no idea about before. Yeah, 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 I did. I, uh, that included Fridays off when I went back to work. Um, I had Mondays and Fridays off. I only worked three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, even when things got busy. And I was like, hey, I could have done this the whole time. 
Like, how do you get so, uh, you know, so productive when you shorten that time span? Uh, you do not waste it. And so we went to a, a working schedule of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, myself and my team, um, so that I would have the space to breathe. And as things would happen with my son, um, you know, I could still support him in his treatment and be an active, you know, advocate for him. Because again, the system is is meant for us to fail. It mm-hmm. does not want to, um, it does not make space for people that are different. Mm-hmm. That That's so true. That is so true. And do you have any specific resources, organizations, or books that you would recommend for listeners who may find themselves as mental health advocates for a loved one? Yeah, NAMI was really, really great um, because my husband was still active duty. Uh, Military One Source was a good resource for us. Um, that's where I got therapy for myself and also for my sons because he was their big brother, you know, he is their big brother. And so that was challenging to watch their hero, um, you know, have weakness. And so um NAMI was number one, though, because they have a network that they can help refer. And there was also one other person that I don't I think that was, you know, literally a blessing from God. Um, She was a rep for an insurance company. And Mm -hmm. while I'm sure that was, you know, part of her number, (laughs) you know, part of her goals, she was always able to help us get placement. So um, I would recommend digging into your insurance and provider and seeing if there is an advocate that can help find the location that the insurance will accept, that the needs are met. And, um, you know, it just helps navigate the system so much easier um, versus searching for programs yourself. I'm so appreciative of you sharing your your experience because there are probably a lot of people like you and you're seeing the other side and they're just like, okay, this woman who I'm listening to, who I'm seeing, she went through this busy mom. I mean, you know, mom of four, four boys, a thriving career, also, you know, busy family life in general. So, you know, you're a testament to there is something else on the other side, despite the the forest and and briar patches that you may be going through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I um, sometimes look back at that and wonder how I made it through, like literally. Um, But you can, you do just keep waking up and putting one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something about choosing joy. And I know you're also a proponent of lives filled with luxury, excitement, and this deep joy every day. So what advice would you give to a woman who wants to foster these qualities in her own life? Right. So I um, I am literally a boy mom. Like, that's what I'm meant to be. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Like, that's my thing. As zen out as I may seem and appear, I love fast cars. We go skydiving. Uh-huh. We do fine in every country we visit. So. Oh, I love that. Right. So really knowing who you are, despite what others may say or think about who you are, like being in touch and in tune with what makes you happy, what brings you joy, what makes you giggle and and how, you know, like what are those things that really satisfy you Um, and, and make that happen, like go after it. Don't let anyone stop you. So when I wanted to go skydiving, nine out of 10 of my friends were like, girl, you crazy. We don't do that kind of thing. I found my one girlfriend that would go with me and that's who went. And so, 
we will ever have that experience together. And it might not be your best friend. It might not be your sister, but find someone or do it alone. Like go and do the thing that makes you happy. Mm, that that's so true. You know, my eyes kind of lit up when you said the skydiving because that's on my experience list. So so now I'm like imagining you with your your favorite drink, uh, <laughs> Pellegrino, <laughs> just about to you know taking a sip and diving out of the plane. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which, yeah. I, I love that that's one of your favorite drinks because I discovered that I think like two years ago and I'm like, what piece of heaven is this? this is right. Right. <laughs> and that's one of those things that's like um, a luxury, like something that's not ne- a necessity, but you know, we get to do things that are different. We get to experience things that weren't part of our normal everyday experience as a child. And to me, that's luxury. I mean, yes, there's uber luxury and we can go there too, but just the little things in life can be a luxury and can be appreciated beyond just your normal. Yeah. So San Pellegrino aside, there is a quote by Jim Bolin that I share with all guests. And it is when you discover something that nourishes your soul and brings you joy, care enough about yourself to make room for it in your life. Amen. So let me ask you, what nourishes your soul so much that you absolutely create space for it? So I love my time at the spa. Um, because I'm a tomboy and because I ran track and, you know, jogging, I say it, call it joggling, like I'll walk, <laughs> jog uh, and lift weights. Like I'm, my body is often sore. Um, and so my biweekly, like, you know, twice a month massage is something that I keep on my schedule. And um yeah, it's just time away from me, time to let my brain shut off. I often fall asleep, so I get a 80 minute instead of a 50 minute <laughs> so that I can experience some of it awake. But um, yeah, that has really been something for the past maybe four years now that is a high priority for me. Of course, I had to take a break during COVID, but finally found someone that was comfortable to come into our home and, and give us massages still. And um, yeah, for me, that that's definitely one of the physical things that I love to do. Oh, that's great. Any, anything else on, on your list that you absolutely create space for? I absolutely create space for my morning meditation. So um, as I wake up, I wake up to Christian music, praise and worship. Um, I slowly get myself together out of the bed, brush my teeth, do that routine, and then start my workout and um, bump it up to like the truth, which is hip hop Christian music mm-hmm. and work out to that. So I find that I, I do so much better when I've had enough rest and I've started my day off with a good adrenaline um, rush and as well as the spiritual lifting. Mm, that sounds like a great way to start the morning. And once again, you are scheduling and booking in that time. Absolutely. To, like to if we share my calendar right now, you would see a time block for longevity, for prayer, and then my day starts. And um, you will see uh, self-care Saturdays blocked out on my calendar. Yes, all of these things are made space for. And if it's not on my calendar, it's likely not going to get done. That is so true. That is so true. (laughs) Well, before we end today, how can listeners either work with you or find you online? 
Yeah. So I am on most social media platforms, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest at Nikki Klug Design, N-I-K-K-I-K-L-U-G-H Design, D-E-S-I-G-N. Wonderful. And I'll go ahead and link um, those in the show notes. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today on Joyfully Blaggy. It's been such a treat speaking with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me, Joy. Thanks again for joining Joyfully Black this week. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review and share with a friend. Have an aha moment from today's episode? Let us know by texting 850-404-2712. That's 850-404-2712. You can even leave a voice note. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button at Spotify or Apple so you never miss an episode. Remember, being in the Black is more than a financial state. It's a journey toward your wellness. Until next time, stay in the Black, y'all.